So I Married an Alcoholic is sponsored by RealtorAndABaby.com. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease real estate? Even if you're not in greater Philadelphia, reach out with your contact information so you can be connected with the most qualified realtor in your area. RealtorAndABaby at gmail.com. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, gays, straights, cats, dogs, transgenders, transsexuals, pansexuals, short, tall, white, black, gay, straight, alcoholic, non-alcoholic, and the queen. It is season two, episode four of the world famous, critically acclaimed, So I Married an Alcoholic podcast. I'm Chris. I'm an alcoholic. I'm Megan and I'm an alcoholic. Your intro is getting longer and longer each week, honey. You expanding your vocabulary and horizons. I bought a dictionary a couple weeks ago. Oh, it's good. I'm learning all kinds of new words. I'm proud of you. Thank you, darling. Growth. Always. Always growth. It is a program of growth and honesty and I love Auntie Gay P t-shirts. True story. If you'd like to purchase one, please visit our website www.soimarriedanalcoholic.com. You can also send us an email. Any questions, comments, concerns, feedback, etc. will be welcomed at soimarriedanalcoholic at gmail.com. The Twitter is married to AA, T-O-A-A. And the Facebook and the Instagram are both So I Married an Alcoholic. Please continue to like, share, follow. Leave us a review. Tell all your friends. And yes, darling, leave us a review. Sounds good. Leave us a review on the iTunes. Leave us a review. You can now start or you can now give us the stars. On the Spotify. On the Spotify. That is correct. It's exciting. Super exciting. Let us thank the sponsors, Marlane Graphics, MarlaneGraphics.com for all of your printing needs. And RealtorAndABaby.com, RealtorAndABaby.com for all of your real estate needs. Shall we PSA? I guess. Oh, yes, we shall. Oh, the nerves have started. Oh, yes. Well, not on my end. Cool as a clam. I know, because you know what you're about to say. I never do. I actually had no idea until I sat down and wrapped my nubby little fingers around this incredibly overpriced microphone. Mm-hmm. But anyways, people, be nice. Well, you fucking social media warriors out there, you're not a badass. <laughs> Just be nice. It's easy to say shit behind a computer screen. Sure is. Except to us. We don't care if you're mean to us. We find it entertaining. No, absolutely. So. But be nice to the general public. I agree with that completely. The rest of those out there. Have some respect. There's people struggling all over the world. Don't make it worse by being an asshole on Facebook. Agreed. If you want to be an asshole, be an asshole in real life. Just like Chris. Have the balls. That's right. All right, darling. We've thanked the sponsors. We've thanked the queen. Unfortunately, we do not have an anti-gay pee toe update. Although I think all is well in that arena, if you will. As well as it can be. Yeah. Um, Were well, you ever into toes? No, I don't like toes. Not even in your youth? N- never. Not like super fucked up, like... They suck on your toes, bro. Nope, I think that's gross. Toes are gross. They smell bad. People don't have good foot hygiene. I don't necessarily disagree with that. Yeah. I just, whatever. I've seen some of the things you do. Do you, though? I mean, I don't care. Oh, whatever makes you happy. Sure. You get a short, finite amount of time on this planet. 
If you want to suck toes or eat ass or whatever crazy shit you kids are into, do your thing. Okay. We stand behind you. Sure. United we stand. Alrighty. Okay. Okay. What else? Speaking of a finite period of time on this earth, mm-hmm. Chris celebrated a birthday this past week. I did. I sure did. But before we get into the celebration of me, okay, let's talk about the Team Foster Rough Ride. All right. There is still time to sign up for the Team Foster Rough Ride. It's very easy. Just go to www.teamfoster.com. The Rough Ride is going to be held this year at Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia. It is where the professional football team of Philadelphia plays. As discussed last week, we are not allowed to mention said team due to copyright infringement. Go to that website, www.teamfoster.com. Click on the Events tab. Find the Rough Ride Philly. This year it's June 4th and 5th, 24-hour event. And then you can search for the So I Married an Alcoholic team. We need peddlers. Desperately. It is a 24-hour event. We need a bunch of people to just commit to 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes. That's all we need. you're willing to give. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you don't need to do the whole 24 hours. And if you're not into peddling, you are more than welcome to donate. I would check with your tax advisor, but most of the donations are, or should be, tax-deductible. Team Foster is a 501c3 registered organization, which is a fancy way of saying, if you give them money, you will reduce your tax liability. Great way to give back. You can also find the link on the So I Married an Alcoholic Facebook page. Yes. Please come join us for fun and riding. Fun, riding, shenanigans. All of the above. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a great event. I'm super excited. Speaking of a finite time on this earth, Chris celebrated a birthday this past week. You said that already. I know. At least the audience is starting to appreciate how much you repeat yourself. I did it on purpose. Like you you shot in another segment. I had to like round us back. I have an agenda, darling. Uh, Don't you always. And a timeline that I must keep to. Okay. So yes, I celebrated my 41st birthday this, I don't know, past Thursday. Yeah. How was it? It was actually perfect because it was nice and quiet. Yeah. Uneventful. I am not a big birthday guy. Even when I was in my heyday, and by heyday, I mean my drinking and drugging days, wasn't really my thing. Really? Like, I know a lot of people, you know, present company included, there's like the birthday day, obviously, and then that bleeds into the birthday week, and the birthday month, and the birthday quarter, and it's just an endless celebration of thee. I do like a birthday. Oh, shocking. Why not? It's something to celebrate. Eh, It's just not my thing. Why? I'm actually surprised by that because you actually do like being the center of attention. I actually, so that's what I think is interesting. I I really don't like being the center of attention. Really? Yeah. behavior and form of dress would speak otherwise. While on the surface, I I totally understand what you're getting at, Mm -hmm. but I don't do any of the above to, well, minus the, the Care Bears jacket, to get a rise out of anybody or... You know, to be like, look at me. Uh, I think oftentimes, you know, the way I dress, the way I act is just because I am for the first time in a long time, like in a very comfortable place in my life. Hmm. And if, uh, you know, you don't like the way I dress or the way I talk or whatever, then again, you know, call your doctor, tell them I've offended your delicate sensibilities and see if they have a prescription for you. So you're not doing it for the shock factor ever. 
Uh, again, speaking to just the Care Bears jacket, yes, obviously that is for a rise. <laughs> and let me tell you something, that gets compliments everywhere I go. It sure does. Uh, I've found more and more recently that I have to explain when people are like, hey, cool jacket. I'm like, yeah, my wife got it for me. Stressing the wife portion. Yeah. Uh, I know. I see where you're going with so that. So I don't get like manhandled at the Wawa. <laughs> I think you're playing for a different team. Yeah, exactly. Putting from the rough, if you will. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's just because I am comfortable with who I am. I like who I am. Oh, I like that. And, um, you know, there's there's a little extra cash for, you know, clothes instead of Percocet. <laughs> how about that? It's an <laughs> interesting trade. Sure is. All right. So how was this bur- birthday? I don't know why so, I can't say it. Different than birthdays of the past. Much, much different. Uh, again, been sober for a little over four years, so that part is, you know, sort of relatively new. I don't know. Frankie and I just chilled. We did a couple of real estate things. I made some dinner, and it was just, you know, nice and calm, which is how I think I prefer a lot of my life more recently. I agree with you there. You know? We did go out to a fabulous dinner the night before. We did. I actually took a couple of clients out. Uh, Megan and I had dinner with them. They're fabulous people. And then I had to go collect a deposit check from them because we just got them under contract at a different property. And they gave me like a family heirloom old hunting rifle. That's really cool. And the thing's got to be 150 years old. Uh, I was trying to do some research online just to see like, you know, who made it and what, what like the origin of that particular weapon was. I don't know. It was just something super cool that these absolute strangers were willing to give me quite literally a a piece of their family's history. Well, you know, what's funny. So, I mean, I I mean, I was I was okay with just the commission check. That's all you needed to give me. Exactly. You know, obviously working in medicine, I affect people's lives every day. But doing what you do, you also do, too. Like you walk with people through the biggest purchases of their life. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it's a first home and that celebration. Sometimes it's where they're going to bring their children home to. Sometimes it's selling a home that they've raised their children in. Like that's a very emotional aspect of people's lives. So it is kind of like, you know, amazing that you get to spend that time with people. It is absolutely. And that, you know, whatever particular transaction that is, you know, like you were just saying involves almost a a lifetime if you think about it of experiences whether that's you've had those experiences whether you're about to have those experiences and it's just it's a very intimate and sometimes very stressful and incredibly unique experience that these people open their door to a complete stranger and have these these past clients were telling us out at dinner the other night like the the utmost faith in me Yeah. And the fact that they put that sort of level of trust in me, just it means the absolute world. It really does. Well, and that's something you never thought you'd have from friends, family, let alone perfect strangers. No, God, no. All right. So back to visiting birthdays, because, you know, it's so interesting. That was something I was thinking about on my drive home from work on your birthday. I was thinking about like I almost was getting a little choked up thinking about what it must be like for your family to celebrate your birthday or to call and wish you a birthday when there was many years that they didn't know if you'd have another one. I would imagine that nowadays it's it's a lot more 
I don't know if peaceful is the right word or... Maybe even internally. Like I can imagine there was probably times where you weren't necessarily... Not not on speaking terms, but it, you know, one no, of those... No, there were. Yeah, and one of those <laughs> things were like... That's his birthday. We better call him, but we kind of don't want to know, or we don't want to be asked for money, or we don't. You know yeah. what I mean? We don't want to hear whatever train wreck that we don't want to hear. He needs to come live with us again. We'd, you know, we'd like to call him and wish him a happy birthday. We'd also like to give him a nice gift. However, we need to make sure that the gift is not cash, nor does it have a high pawn shop value yeah exactly and how different (laughs) that is now you know yeah no absolutely and again like we've talked about this i think a little bit on the surface maybe something we should definitely take a deeper dive into how those relationships have evolved throughout addiction and then post addiction into sobriety i have a great relationship with you know most of my family definitely with my parents now that was not always the case and what a gift that is. That's probably, I would say, one of the greatest gifts of sobriety, you know? Definitely. So, I don't know. For me, I know you're not a big birthday guy, but it it's that has a lot of meaning, you know? Yes, absolutely. And I think when I think of a, a birthday now in sobriety, it's another year of peace that you gave to your family. Yes. And what a gift that is. No, I, I do not disagree with you at all. And as a parent, you know, I think about Frankie, you know, just that connection that we have now and that relationship that we have now. And I think of my poor parents and like the torture that I put them through. Yeah. And all of the times that I was, you know, MIA, quite literally, uh, and not communicating with them and what that must have been like to go to bed at night, not knowing if their son was alive or, you know, in a dumpster somewhere or doing okay or in some sort of life-threatening situation. Like, I literally can't even, I cannot uh, picture or, you know, think about the agony and the anxiety that that must have caused them. I was just going to say, do you feel that so much deeper now, what that must have been like now that you're a father? I mean, to a certain extent, yes. Uh, Like, I know if I'm sitting at my desk working and, and I don't hear anything and I don't see Frankie, like, I get all like, oh, shit. She's rifling through that cabinet again. <laughs> exactly. Shoes, shoes, throwing them all over the floor for the dog to fetch. And I can only imagine how much that is magnified or multiplied with the addiction component tied into that and not having your son or daughter in front of you and, and making God knows what sort of horrible decisions. Yeah. You know? All right, let's lighten it up a little bit. What is the first birthday that you remember? I don't know. I do know growing up, again, I am from Worcester, Mm -hmm. Massachusetts. I mean, I I couldn't tell you exactly what age it was, but I do remember, you know, obviously being in the Northeast in the winter. My birthday, at least several times, was canceled due to inclement weather. Oh, I'm sure. You know, I think that's more of a, a visceral memory than, you know, my eighth birthday. Right. Or something, you know, super specific like that. Like the best birthday party you ever had. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. So speaking of inclement weather birthdays, we have a ton of January birthdays. We do now. I know. Now that I am such a welcomed guest into your family, because you did much better round two than round one, but that's okay. Your parents Mm -hmm. don't tell me about it that much anymore. So so Chris's birthday was the 20th, and Mac's birthday was actually the 19th. Correct. 
And the way that my custody falls, it's in every other week. Well, there's only 52 weeks in a year. So I like never get him on his birthday. And that kills me deep on the inside. I can only imagine. Because I love birthdays. You sure do. And I love celebrating them. And for most of Mac's young life, I gave him like two big parties a year. A family party and then a friend party. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, my God. And every year was a theme. And I made the signs. And I did the baking and a ton of food and a ton of family. Now, with COVID, that kind of went away. And he's kind of aged out of it a little bit. But Mm -hmm. I definitely have some guilt that there's not the big hoopla anymore. And even for a kid birthday party, like, I'm hoping COVID canceled those all together. Like, that would be the silver lining of COVID (laughs) for me. As a parent. (laughs) Not having to drop, like, $700 at the jumping place or whatever. I don't know. Like, I still want it to be special for him. So, like, I spoke to him a couple times during the day. And we're on a mission to find cool, like, preteen sneakers. So, if anyone knows what the coolest sneakers are, let us know. We're very naive. We went to a couple places. We're going to order online, but we still haven't like nailed it down yet. And he's a men's size foot. He can't wear a kid's shoe. So ah. it's actually harder to find the cool guy sneakers in adult, believe it or not. Like more limited sizes, they sell out quicker. I think that's also because there's been this, you know, huge explosion over the past couple of years with all of these like, is it okay to say designer sneakers? No, I think that's fine. And I'm not talking like, you know, the, the Highline brands, like, you know, the Gucci's and things like that but like some of these nikes oh my god and like the retro are several hundred dollars and like i guess they sell out right away and then i don't know like some of these resale sites like is this a legitimate site am i gonna actually get the sneakers or am i sending some guy three hundred dollars for no return no i would say i mean it's a total gamble right it's a total gamble i'm like can't you find let's find something that's on the Finish Line website or, you know, <laughs> Foot Locker. Do they still have Foot Lockers? Like, where do we go buy the sneakers? Actually, the kid that was working at Dick's was super nice and helpful. They didn't have a lot of basketball shoes, but he was trying to give us advice on where to go. Oh, that's super nice. Yeah, because I was like, where do you get the sneakers? Like, what, how does this happen? You know, so he was he was, he was was helpful in that event. But um, so we had Mac's birthday. We had Chris's birthday. So wait a minute. If you have... The inside line on the sneaker info. Yeah. Make sure you send us an email. So I married an alcoholic at gmail.com. Yeah. And what are the cool ones to get? Like he loves basketball. So originally my idea was basketball sneakers. But now I think he actually wants more like, you know, like sport sneakers, but like kind of fashion-y a little bit. Like he's getting to that age, you know, where he's like spraying himself with the Axe body spray. And that's actually needed. The fifth grade classroom must smell, smell horrendous. We've had Horrible. this conversation. Yes. And, you know, he's like putting the stuff in his hair. And so, like, I think he's kind of like, oh, well, these are like cool sneakers to like wear out. Maria's totally going to play with my balls if I wear these Yeezys. He's definitely not going to say that. And I already told him Yeezys were off the table. So if it was my kid, I'd buy him Yeezys. Well, you're a better parent than I, I guess, honey. I don't even think that's open for debate. <laughs> I may not have been there in the beginning, but I've definitely made up for it since. Oh, yeah. No, you're a great parent. Yeah, I know. All right. Say it again. Pat yourself on the back. Blah, Say it again. blah, blah. You're a great parent. I tell you all the time. One more time. You are a fantastic parent. And a great lay, but that's neither here nor there. So mm-hmm. there's also what your uncles, the twins, mm-hmm. 
are January. Are they the 20th as well? They're the 20th as well. Uh, your mother, your paternal grandmother. Was the 21st. Mm-hmm. And her, my pop-up was also the 20th. Your mother and our sister-in-law are the first? No, New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. Okay. And then my- So they don't count. Right. They're December. And then my sister had twins on January 2nd. This is crazy. I know. So like January is jam- And then Kaylee. It was our niece's first birthday yesterday. That's right. Yeah. So we were like jam-packed with birthdays. So we celebrated all of them. The cookie cake had 46 names written on it. (laughs) And um, it was a good time. We also celebrated Christmas with my siblings. Because everybody had COVID for the past 30-something days. Yeah, except us. I don't know. The Pilates house has been spared. Knock on wood. Um, So we finally got, we finally knocked that out of the way. Thank God. Um, But yeah, no, I guess just thinking about birthdays. So you're 41. Mm -hmm. I won't rub it in. Um, But, you know, there was close to two decades of your life that were not lost, but kind of. Emotionally, spiritually lost, at least. Yeah, not present, MIA. Yeah, so I think looking back, what are... I guess your biggest regrets, what is the time that you, like the lost time, and what have you gained from that? I think, you know, even though you say birthdays aren't a big deal, I think everyone, even if it's just a quick little blip on a birthday, does a little, like you're in a review, or thinking about their age, and their, you know, like you said before, we're only doing this for a finite period of time. I was saying to Mac today, he was talking about, I was like, oh, I can't wait till I'm 12, and then 13, I was like, just wait. Because then all of a sudden it goes so quickly. Yeah, we were actually talking about this before we came downstairs to do the episode and how you spend, you know, your single digits and then your teens up into your early 20s. Like, oh, I just I can't wait to get to 13 and then I can't wait to get to 16 or 17, yeah. whatever that license time is. Uh-huh. And then 18, because that's obviously a big landmark. Yeah. And then 21. And then, yeah, 21. And then I think, you know, like 25 maybe or shortly after you graduate college and you're established professionally, like you just want the time to slow down. That's exactly what I said to Mac. I was like, and then you'll get to my age and you wish every day was a year because like you don't want to miss a single second. Like it's I also think, though, that speaks a lot to sobriety, because even when I was in, you know, my early 30s and still drinking, I was always waiting for the next thing to happen or wanting the next thing to happen because I was so discontent. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I don't feel that way. Like I want Frankie to stay 20 months and Mac to say 11 years old for the next 10 years, preferably. Right. All right. So back to you. Tell us tell us your retrospective that you for from your 41 years. So as far as regrets per se, I don't regret a lot of things in life and I think that we've talked about this, you know, at, at certain points during the show. I do regret obviously, you know, treating my parents like shit and just being an asshole and not being present, not showing up for things, but I mean there's a lot of this is going to sound like such a, a counterintuitive thing to say, but a lot of lessons were also learned in those, you know, drug-fueled, alcohol-fueled addiction days. 
Yeah, definitely. You know what I'm saying? No, 100%. That's what I said. Let's talk about like regrets or missed time and then talk about what you gained from it. Yeah, no, I'm trying to. Okay. But you want to just keep interrupting me. No, you're just jumping ahead. <laughs> All the timeline. All the timeline. I've said before, I, I don't necessarily regret not going to college. I think that I regret, if anything, out of that particular, you know, four or five or... I think it was probably on like the nine-year plan at some point. I regret not sharing that experience. Yeah, totally. But as far as regrets go, I, I can't... I can honestly sit here and say that I do not have a lot of regrets. I think it took me a long time to not dwell on my past and to a certain extent to beat myself up for it. You know, I've definitely taken ownership of my past, but it's not something that I think about constantly like uh, the decisions that I made and the regrets that I have and the things that I could have done with my life. Like to me, that's almost irrelevant because that doesn't serve me in the here and now no i completely get that and it's not like uh i was gonna say you know the ends justified the means but i don't know if it's justified as much as uh, they were worth it i guess in the end yeah and the couple of guests that we've had on the show like i always ask that question if you could change anything out of your past even though you've done horrific things X, Y, and Z. Would you change anything? And I think that the common theme in this program that we work is that, no, even though I've put myself from in my family through some horrendous times, the person I am today is a result of those negative experiences as well as me putting in the work or them, you know, the guest answering the question, putting in the work to sort of clean up those issues and build the foundation going forward. Definitely. So what would 45 or 45, I just aged you. What would 41 year old Chris tell 25 year old Chris or 30 year old Chris when things were all shit show? I will say this, and it's kind of a cop out answer. But when I first got my real estate license, they had the company, the brokerage that I was working for had one of these. I think they did them like, you know, four times a year or something like that. So once every quarter, uh, like a little rah-rah shishkumba sales, like you're the best at what you do, stroke my ego, blah, blah, blah type things. Anyways, one of the guests one time was Dr. Rick Rigsby. Oh, yeah. R-I-G-B-S-Y, I think is how you spell it. Anyways, he wrote a book. And it's called Lessons I Learned from a Third Grade Dropout. And the third grade dropout was his father. Mm. Obviously, without giving anything away of the book, like he, he did his spiel for an hour or so. And I had actually gotten a copy of his book and I had him sign it because, you know, I'm a complete tool bag when it comes to stuff like that. And on the inside, it says, Chris, don't quit. Keep standing. Ooh, I like that. Rick Rigsby. And I thought that that was just the most, I, I don't know, enlightening thing that you could possibly say to somebody. And I think it spoke volumes to me as an addict because there were so many times out of self-induced bullshit that I just wanted to give up. You know, it, it almost, and this is going to sound insane, but for literally almost a two-decade span, it was like every day. I didn't know how to help myself. And I didn't want to keep going, you know? Yeah. 
Um, and I just, I think that that's the most incredible piece of advice you can give to somebody. Don't quit. Keep standing. Stand and fight. It will get better. You I, know? Yeah. I think right, like looking back on things, um, I do that a lot in like my job that I do now because I work with a lot of kids like, you know, 18 to 25 and I, that's my biggest thing that I try to drive home. And I think it comes from being a parent too, because you know how much you love your kids and you just want them to know that. And I could never do it for myself. I can do it for others. Um, but now I could, I just want to tell them it will be okay. Like uh, everything will be okay eventually. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be really, really hard, but everything is temporary. And in yes. the end, it'll be okay. This heartbreak you're feeling, this failure of an exam, this feeling worthless, this feeling whatever it is, is only temporary. You can dig out of it and it will be okay. And I think when people are crushed by something, um, like, you know, I think of heartbreak, you know, when you're crushed by your heart being broken or when you're in the cycle of addiction, you really believe there is no way out that it will never be okay. And it's also super easy while you're in that, that rut, while you're in the, the depths of that experience to just be like, well, fuck it. I want out then. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but it's, it's true. Like this experience is temporary you will get through it. You know, sometimes you have to look to your higher power or, you know, whatever you, wherever you would seek guidance from. But like, you think that that's the most crushing experience that could possibly happen. And the, the reality is, is you are way more resilient than you possibly could ever imagine. Yeah. And you just have to find a way to somehow see past this temporary situation you know what it is when we're going through all that shit like 25 year old chris should have looked back at five-year-old chris because like kids are awesome at being resilient they don't know any better you yes. know what i mean like yeah. they're positive they keep going and they just i don't know like kids can teach adults so much mm -hmm. frankie busted her lip open yesterday and when i'm saying busted it open it looks terrible today, and there was blood everywhere, and we keep finding bloody handprints. <laughs> it's like a scene from CSI New York. It's awful, but I'm telling you, that little girl is so tough. She cried her head off for maybe seven minutes, and then that was it. She has moved the fuck on. And then we threw on the cocoa melon, and all is well in the world. Yeah, like some hugs, some kisses, a popsicle, and she's like, you know what, I'm going to try doing that again. Maybe this time I won't fall down and bash my lip open. <laughs> it's you know? so true, though. It is so true. I also think, so this is an interesting topic to talk about. I've often talked about on this show, I think at least, one of the biggest gifts sobriety has given me is the ability to feel things. Because when I was in active addiction, I was absolutely numb. In fact, when I sat in rehab and people would come and speak, they would talk about how when they got into rehab or decided to get sober, how they were so angry or they were so depressed or they were so this. And I was actually jealous of them because I was so numb. I was nothing yeah, on the inside. you felt nothing. I felt nothing. And then I was like, am I a psychopath or like what's going on here? Because I felt nothing. Yes. I can now feel things deeply and that's a gift of sobriety. But here's the, you know, where I counteract myself or what's the word you always use it's a double-edged sword here's the double-edged sword i don't have those extremes 
You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Where something that's crushing, yes, I feel it in an appropriate amount. Whereas I mm. felt like when I was drinking or not, I think it improves daily. Okay, that's, I, that's better. It's still a work in progress. Thank you. But, you know, to feel that like life is over because you didn't get the job you wanted or you don't have enough money for your Percocet that day or whatever it may be, I don't have that anymore. Yeah. I'm a much more even-keeled person. So even though I can actually feel real feelings, I don't know. Maybe it's just like I don't feel the insanity. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Gift of sobriety there that I threw in. Oh, I like that. Okay. I like how you tied that in there. You know, just wrapping it up. Pretty bow on the top. How much did the bow cost? Probably not much because I'm a cheap fuck when it comes to things like that. Yeah, but there's probably like 25 bows buried in a closet somewhere. And then you throw them out and we have to buy them again the next year. Well, too bad. <laughs> All right, what else do you have to share with us with your 41-year-old is wisdom? You're so much older than, and wiser than me, Chris. I just want to learn from you. I know. It's true. So depart on us some wisdom. Uh, I think another thing that I would tell my 25-year-old self, because you had just mentioned, you know, one of the great gifts of sobriety. And I can't necessarily say that it was a great gift of sobriety. I think it's actually something that, interestingly enough, and as much as it pains me to say this, that you have given me, and this is something else that I'm going to start asking uh, future guests or guests in the future is what is the greatest gift of sobriety? One would be to tell 25 year old Chris, like, don't quit, keep standing. The other thing would be have faith in yourself. And that's something that, you know, I never had. I think it would probably take years of therapy to, to like truly digest why I did not. And that's certainly irrelevant here in the context of this conversation. But Megan, you know, on so many different occasions when I was like, well, fuck real estate, real estate's stupid, you know, was always like, yeah, no, like you're going to do this. And I think that's been one of the greatest gifts because without sobriety, obviously I would never have met you and I would never, I mean, there's no way in hell that I could manage, you know, my business the way that I do now in active addiction. Yeah, not a chance. No. You couldn't even manage, like, I, I was going to say, like, daily hygiene, but I have a feeling that never suffered, but... No, never. You know, like, I don't know, daily I, putting gas in your car. No, I just, I had a hard time managing myself, never mind, you know, a business. It, it, right. For, again, two decades of my life. So, you know, that that piece of advice, I think, goes a long way. And I think that also goes... You know, obviously, I say that as a person from the outside looking in, in terms of addiction, but I think that that's such a great piece of advice for anyone. Yeah. You know, it's like, funny. Believe to... in yourself. If nobody else does, you have to. Yeah. I think when you're saying that, um, like the how I was saying, like, I wish I could tell myself everything was going to be okay. I don't know if you remember this, but shortly after we started dating, I remember saying to Chris, oh, you know what I've always wanted to do? Go see a psychic. Do you remember this? I do, yes. And you were like, I mean, if you want to, I'll go with you. But like, I don't really see the point. And I was like, yeah, so I just want someone to tell me it's going to be okay. Like, I was looking for that for a very long time. <laughs> you know, like if someone could have told 25-year-old Megan, like, the next 10 years is really going to blow. But eventually, you will end up 
sober, happy with the love of your life, building a family, like I would have loved that. But now I don't necessarily need that. Mm-hmm. You know, like I get that internally. I don't need to see the psychic anymore. I know it's going to be okay. Right. And the road to get there may be bumpy, you know, but I know Chris and I are going to live our lives to the fullest every single day and the bills will get paid and our kids will be happy and taken care of, you know, like. I know that it's going to be okay, and I don't need anyone else to tell me that. Absolutely. And I also think that, again, to a certain extent, there has to be a little bit of bumpiness on that road, or you will not appreciate, I mean, not only the destination, but also the journey as well. You got to work for it. Like, if everything's honky-dory, you're just going to be like, all right, cool. Well, I don't think you can feel those high highs if you've never had lows. Again, unless you're like a total psychopath, you know, you should be able to at least recognize them. I think appreciating them is a different story. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, you're talking about the highs. You can't appreciate the highs. Yeah. Yeah. Without experiencing the lows. Yeah, I get exactly. That. Yeah. Like you can recognize a high, like getting a promotion's a high. Sure. But does that mean the same, you know, if you graduated at the top of your class and you worked your ass off versus like... You work three jobs in high school. You barely made it through college because you were supporting yourself, your family, you know, your significant other that you knocked up, whatever the case may be. Well, I mean, both of those routes, you know, involve hard work. Of course. It's just different work. No, I, I agree. I think that... I think it's the, the gratitude piece maybe is different. Well, we've talked about this even when we talked about getting our first car. You know, if you're given a brand mm. new Beamer, what do you have to look forward to? You know? Nothing. And then you almost expect it. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think, you know, when you've lived a life in addiction for so long, the road is dark. It is. So a nice, even-keeled day like your birthday where you did not much but hang out with your daughter and a little bit of work and eat homemade dinner is like a high yeah and I was you know warm and cozy and I didn't have to worry about where my next meal was coming from or how I was going to uh, rob or scheme or whatever to get money to do or to not be sick the next day again like a lot of people it was it was just a normal low key Thursday, but like I appreciate that. Yeah. All right. So we kind of did this when we talked about twenty twenty two. But what about personal growth? So what do you want to accomplish or work on by forty two? Not much. That's good. Yeah, okay. I I think I'm a, a well rounded, <laughs> you know, class act. Humble. Clearly. Very. I don't think there's much more work you can do. Not when you've already reached perfection, honey. Like Michelangelo didn't paint the Sistine Chapel and then go back and be like, well, Judas needs his eyebrows touched up and this and that. Like, no, he painted that motherfucker and he was like, God damn, I'm amazing. Okay, so that's where you're sitting at. And the Lord, you know, up to my 36th or so birthday, painted me in perfection. <laughs> and then he released me unto the world. <laughs> oh my God. To wreak havoc. Now we all get the pleasure. And spread the good word. <laughs> that is exactly what I plan on doing. I like it. Thank you, darling. All right, you got anything else for tonight? Kind of like my birthday was a little bit of low-key. Low-key episode for, for the So I Married an Alcoholic Crew. 
And that's okay. That's okay. It is, well, you know, if you don't like it, fuck you. I don't know what to tell you. And if you want, Frankie can tell you that now, too. Ouch. That is what Frankie gave Chris for his birthday. Correct. F word. Correct. Over and over again. Which is how you know it was, you know, challenging market climate in real estate in 2021. She does not need speech therapy. That is good. She has proper diction. Yeah, I think it came out just fine. (laughs) Clear as day. Clear as day. God, I'm fucked. You are. And you got to stop saying that, obviously, or we'll never be able to send her to preschool. Nah, she'll still go to preschool. (laughs) I don't care. She is so cute, though. That's what they get paid for. I'm telling you, the one day, this is the funniest, though. She's, like, going to give us a run for her money. Oh, yeah. She is absolutely adorable. She's tough as nails, but drama central. Mm -hmm. But the one day, I was, like, dying watching it on the Nest Cam. Chris is yelling at her for something. He's like, no, you can't do that. And she's looking at him going, good job. Good job. Good job. Over and over again. I was like, (laughs) that's a whole nother kind of trouble. The trials and tribulations of a stay-at-home rock star realtor dad. (laughs) What can I tell you? She really put you in your place, though. So two pieces of advice for 25-year-old Chris, which I think applies to each and every one of you. Don't quit. Keep standing. And believe in yourself. It's all going to be okay in the end. Damn right. Say goodnight, darling. Good night. I'm Megan, and I'm an alcoholic. I'm Chris. I'm an alcoholic. Cut off your pet's privates. And remember, if you're struggling in any way, please put your hand up. Reach out. Ask for help. So I Married an Alcoholic is sponsored by RealtorAndABaby.com. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease real estate? Even if you're not in greater Philadelphia, reach out with your contact information so you can be connected with the most qualified realtor in your area. RealtorAndABaby at gmail.com.